This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Before the uh, end of the last year, we started in a series in Philippians. And uh, I started with a story about the big elephant changed to the... Uh, the little uh, pole, you remember that? And the kid wondered how was it that this elephant was chained to this little stick in the ground and how come he didn't pull away? And the reason he didn't, the elephant didn't pull, pull away is because he was uh, trained uh, from a very young elephant. Uh, when he was young, he couldn't get out of that chain. And so, and, and now that the elephant's old and big, it could, but it didn't know it could. And so our whole sermon series is really about being unshackled by the power of Christ. That too many of us are kind of like that elephant where we are still chained to our history or still chained to our genealogical history and how our family was raised and how our grandparents were raised. And if we're not careful, we allow those things, those brokenness to continue in our lives. And so uh, one of the first things we said, Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, uh, and he says this, Great peace, uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in the beginning, to all the saints. And so in other words, we were challenged that uh, he didn't know everybody in the church, but he knew their position in the church, and he called them saints. And so the challenge Paul was saying to the church in Philippi in Philippians, is that we have uh, a new title. Um, I use the analogy of a jersey. We've been given a team jersey, and now it's time for us to live up to that jersey. And I spent a lot of time talking about the jersey uh, that, you know, when when you get one at the Florida State basketball or football, you know, um, hey, just like in, in, in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God is going to send all his resources in order for us to live up to our potential. Just like Florida State does when a, a player comes in, they give them all the food, all the nutrients. They have a nutritionist. They have a weight coach. They have a tutor. They have classes, uh, everything. Uh, they even make sure you go to class, right, Ross? And Ross was one of those guys that checked the athletes. Um, and if you ever see Ross in a nice car, it's because the athletes that didn't go to class uh, gave him a little feedback, a little kickback. I'm just kidding. It was the opposite. Uh, But, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to, just like once we become Christians, it's like getting that jersey and, and God will empty out his resources in order for us to live to the fullness of our potential and ability. You know, they do it in a physical way, and Jesus does it in a supernatural way for us. So there's really no excuse. So he goes on to say, yeah, live up to your title uh, of being a saint. So I'm not going to review chapter, uh, the later on in the chapter, but I'd like for us to go right into uh, Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul gives us a if-then statement, a verse. And so I really want you to look at it carefully because it is extremely important, so much so that he writes about it. Uh, so let's let's just play around some if if you want if you uh, if you get good grades then you will go to college we could say that uh, that's an if then statement uh, if the if is the hypothesis and the then is the conclusion 
It's either uh, true or false. The statement, if you get good grades, then you will get into college, would in most circumstances be true. Correct? Just say correct. Yes. But if the statement is, if you get good grades and means you will not get, then you will not get into college, would be a false statement. The idea is that if that if then is made, then it's a mark of truth, integrity, authenticity. So I could say, if I turn off the water in the shower, then I will stop getting wet. Or if the population of America or the world is 50% men, then the rest of the population is 50% women. So the, the statement is true. If you meet someone with poor hygiene, matted hair, missing teeth, bad breath, then you know you've met a Gator fan. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. I couldn't help it. It was a softball. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the chapter 2 of Philippians. And Paul is writing while he's in prison. Uh, the second part of our sermon series, which I preached like four weeks ago, it was how to, the attitude of, to have while in prison. So Paul is writing this while he's in, risen, in prison. He's writing to Christ followers. This is not outsiders. He's writing to insiders, people who are inside the church. They were members of the church in the city of Philippi. And so we're going to look at today's, I think, one of the most powerful if-then statements in the entire Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, comma, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then... We'll finish the rest of the verse a little bit later. Let's stop there before we go to the den part. Paul is setting up, a, I think, a critical scenario. He wants to build a case based on where someone is in their relationship with Christ. And then what are the consequences? If you are a follower of Christ, then we'll see what the consequences are, what, what the conclusion should be. So he says, if... You draw anything from Christ at all. If you gained anything from his companionship, if you gained anything from his life, his presence, if you've gained anything from the relationship you have with Jesus, if there's anything, I mean, even iota of anything going on between you and Jesus, if you have any feelings towards him, if part of your heart beats with his, then there's going to be a conclusion. And this is powerful. If you feel anything towards Christ, if you have any kind of relationship with him, and I mean any, then you will be faced with the second part of the verse of the if-then statement. So this is for all of us in this room to learn and to glean from. And so even if you feel like you're distant from God to this morning, today, uh, which tells me that at one time you did not feel distant, so let's just say you feel far, even you can glean something. There is a then 
for you. But if you feel close to Christ, if you're close to Christ, then there's going to be a conclusion. And if you are close to Christ. So imagine at one time, if you're far from the Lord today, you're still not probably a Christ hater. Uh, my guess is that that's why you're here, because there's something, something, there's uh, something attaching you still to Jesus. If you've ever been on the receiving end of an encouragement through Christ, you are part of this equation. How many have raised your hand if you've ever received a card from Nana, Lois, Lisi? Oh my gosh. It, I gotta take a picture of that. My mother-in-law's, uh, she lost her husband this past year, back in February, it's almost a year. And she went into artistic mode and she writes, she does handmade cards. So that is a... Um, Encouragement for you, if you're not in our computer system, you're not going to get a card. Because uh, I give her the list, so you're not on the list. So if you want to get a card, hey, let's just take a picture one more time. If you've gotten a, a card from Lois. This was not in my notes, but let's give her a nice hand. That's, that's amazing. Um, they're beautiful cards. So if you have any encouragement from Jesus, maybe you're far from God, but you got that card and you were encouraged because of what Jesus, uh, you know, what it represented and Jesus still remembers you, loves you, and cares for you. So again, like I said, if you're far from God, you feel like, but it tells me that you at one time were close to him. Have you ever encountered him? You know, one of the challenges when I go to these conferences is, um, you know, I see an 18-year-old jumping for Jesus, and, and I, I don't want to be that uh, balloon popper, but I'm thinking, his knees are going to hurt soon, so he won't be able to do that, but I'm not going to tell him that. Uh, I remember in our Kaiapha gathering, I used to jump off the Moore Auditorium stage. Jump. <laughs> it hurts my knees just thinking about it. And so, uh, so uh, what I'm saying is that even if you were at one time... Jumping for Jesus and no longer, that means there's still something and you're here this morning and you needed encouragement and Jesus was there. Maybe you, there was a time of crisis and you cried out to the Lord and you hadn't prayed for him in a while, what I would call a 911 prayer. And so I believe Paul is including all of us, all of us. The prayer warrior that prays every morning, uh, comes to prayer meetings on Sunday mornings, you know, at every event, praying for Jesus, uh, anointing people, uh, on fire for God. And the one that just, the only thing they've done this past year was a 911 prayer uh, to Jesus. I think all of, all of us are included in this statement. Broad strokes. Paul, I believe, purposely paints this verse in broad strokes. There's anything between you and God, anything at all that's alive spiritually, no matter how much or how might you feel dead. If there is something, even a, one little log burning in your fireplace, your soul's fireplace, this has to, this verse means something to us. He's talking to us. This is what it says if we continue. Then... If, you've done, if you have some relationship with Jesus, then, here's the conclusion. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. So if you have a relationship 
whether it's just minuscule or really good and healthy and strong, then this is how the equation works. You will make my joy complete by being like-minded. You have any connection with Christ, any knowledge, any relationship. Paul says this decisive den. When you're having this relationship, this knowledge, it's going to impact your life. So if your den, how you live our life, doesn't flow from your if, you're a believer, then you're leading, we are leading a false life. One time I remember hearing, uh, I have a friend that's his his daughter's into cross country, and I went to the, the big cross country place on Appalachie. And uh, Coach was listen, telling him, that was the end of the season. He says, Listen, if you follow my plan, and he gave him sheets of paper of what to do, like do what on Monday, do this on Tuesday. And during the summer, if you follow my plan during the summer, then I believe our team will shave off. You know, I think he said five minutes, and I don't know if it's five minutes, but a team total of time minutes. So if you do the plan during the summer, then the team's time will go down. So he can conclude, the coach, when the fall semester starts, that he sends his team out for a run, and they come back, and it hasn't been shaved, not even five seconds. What can he conclude? that they did not, what, do the plan. So Philippians is saying, if you have any relationship with Christ, then there should be a Christ life in your life. This should resemble Christ's life, Christ-like life. If there's something that's not adding up, then we need to go back to the if part in your life. This is not a judging statement. It's a statement for believers. It's an inside language to a church. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who calls himself Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter excuse me, only those who do my Father's will will, in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I will reply, I never knew you. Then later on in the book of James, and I'm going to read a different version here, but he says it much differently. Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe your life complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? In other words, the then doesn't match up to the if. James 2.14. So this is important. Paul is saying something important to all of us. And like for us to drill down. Paul is being specific about something. It is interesting what he doesn't say, because I would probably write something different. If you are a follower of Christ, then you should. And we could write all sorts of rules, right? And we do that. 
if you're a Christian, then you should root for the Florida State Seminoles, something like that. But, but Paul doesn't say that. Again, it's an inter-Christian conversation. This is what he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and in purpose. So let's reverse it. If you one in spirit and purpose, having the same love means that you are in Christ. I want you to catch the theme. It's about unity. One of the biggest challenges I have uh, here in Tallahassee and in our church is to make sure that we are walking in unison. And Jesus is our focus. He's our focal point. He's why we're here. Um, I know I joke around about uh, Florida State and Gators and all that, but that is nothing. You know, that does not separate me from loving someone who has an opposing team because I have a bigger purpose and a bigger uh, encouragement by the Lord to live in a way that there's brings unity. I'm always amazed when I go to football games and I'm sitting to pe- with people I don't know, but I know that we're all cheering for the same team. You know, we're like, I don't know if uh, he likes, you know, the same food I like, if, uh, if he likes, uh, you know, the same whatever, the color I don't know, but I know that right now during this game, these people are going crazy for the team. It's, it's really interesting. I just look around. It's like, I bet you we are so different if we really sat and asked them. If they like country music or pop or uh, Latin music or, you know, whatever. Uh, do they listen to talk radio? They don't listen. I, I don't know. But I know at that moment, we're all in unison. Why? Because there's a focus. There's a focus. They want, you know, we want our team to win. And those other things, whether they listen to rock or country, means nothing at the moment. And so here at our church, if you're new to our church, we want to focus on Christ and who he is and the Christ that's in you, in Daniel, Lavella, Dave. You know, I don't know if you like the same food I like. You know, there's a great Venezuelan restaurant right next door. I don't know if you like that, you know, but I like it. Uh, but that's not going to separate me from being in unison and you in, in unity with them. Some people like sushi. Any sushi people out there? Yeah, I'm raising my hand too. See, I was I was fooling you with my face. We just went to my nephew's wedding and they had like all you can eat sushi. It was awesome, uh, but too many people took too much, so there wasn't enough for everybody. You know, maybe I would write, if you're a follower of Christ, then I, would, I probably would have written the verse, then you should not be doing illegal drugs. Or, um, you know, I could give you a whole list. One of the things I love about unity and what Paul is saying is that there's inferred in the message is there is a humility that comes with unity, humble, not pride, humility. It's not about if you are a Christian, then you will not, you know, um, if you've ever been in a youth group, we all have those dramas, and, you know, there's about three or four things we would write. 
unity brings pride into check and it checks our hearts if we're being self-centered. Self-centered to the point where like, I am not going to be in unison with you because you don't like what I like. Doesn't mean uniformity. Doesn't mean unanimity. That everybody has to be in agreement about trivial issues. But unity. The Bible means first and foremost, oneness of heart for Christ in relation with one another. That's it. Unity, first and foremost, is oneness of heart for Christ and relational unity with each other. So whether you like, you don't like Latin food or you do is nothing. It doesn't hinder my relationship with you because I want and I hope you have a oneness heart for Christ and the desire to live in relational unity with each other. Being gracious to one another. To forgive one another. You know, I wasn't thinking this, but it's come to mind. I think this is something we can practice in our homes. With our kids. To be kind. To be gracious. To forgive one another. Not assuming the worst. And I'll be open and honest and vulnerable with you. That... Um, my wife and I, we had a, a little bit of a scuffle, uh, uh, a discussion. Some people call it arguing. We call it a discussion. And it happened to be right before church last week. <laughs> and of course, that's when it always happens. And uh, as I broke it down, as I, uh, after the sermon Sunday, I had time. I was traveling to Nashville. I had time to really, like, break it down. We didn't have time to break it down before church. It was like, okay, let's go do what Jesus wants us to do. So we did. But it, it was a, a struggle because I, I, I thought I was right and she thought she was right. And it had to do with attitude. And it came to conclusion is that one of the things that we have to remember is not assume the worst. Well, you were saying that with that attitude. Like, no, was it? You were saying it with that attitude. And so that was a challenge for us last week. And so as I'm preaching this morning, one of the things I can see in our marriages that we could really work on is if you are a follower of Christ, if you say you're, you have relationship with Christ, then there's going to be unity in the body. But I think the first body we can be united in is in our home. Be united in your marriage, in your relationship being kind to one another, gracious to one another, forgiving one another, not assuming the worst. Biblical unity is about working through conflicts, avoiding slander and gossip, being generous. Why? Because it's important to Jesus. So important to Jesus that Jesus wanted to unleash his church to the world and in his final hours before the cross, he said these words. I am praying, he's talking to the Lord in John. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through the message. That's us. I pray that all will be one, 
just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the, that the world will know that you have sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity matters to Jesus. I don't have time to finish the whole message, and I'll pick it up next week. But let me just tell you, if we want to be uh, a light to the world because of Jesus, we can start by how we live our, at home, that's one thing, and how we uh, live in unity in our church. We have so many, we are so unique, each one of us, our likes and dislikes. You may say you like a movie, you, you know, for those of you who are married, have you ever sent a video to your spouse and you think it's the funniest thing ever? And they don't. Happens to me a lot. So I now send it to you guys. <laughs> uh, especially the Spanish ones are hilarious. Unity in Christ. It's a testimony of what God has done in our hearts. If you have any relationship with Christ, then it will express itself in unity among the brothers and sisters in the church. It reflects, I believe, that, and I don't have time to do this because I want to uh, ask the band to come up in a second. Uh, it reflects the character of God, the triune God. This unity that's going on in the one God, three person Trinity. It's hard to explain the Trinity, it's supernatural. Yeah, but just because it's supernatural uh, doesn't mean, um, or you can't fully explain it, doesn't mean it's irrational. It just means it's supernatural. It's a mystery. So, but it's something about living in unity, I believe, is, is an example. It's reflecting on who God is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. It's a mystery. Uh, speaking of mystery, I'm still, uh, oh, today's the 8th. Tomorrow's my anniversary. Uh, 35 years, right? Wow. <laughs> Let me share my final mystery. How in the world did a gorgeous 19-year-old girl from Ohio agree to marry a short Colombian dude with lots of baggage? I don't know. That's a mystery. A mystery that cannot be fully explained. Another mystery. How could God, through his son Jesus, allow me, Mario, to come into his family? I was a mess. You got little kids here now? I was a jerk. I had anger issues. I was so insecure. I mean, I was just a walking uh, insecure kid. Trying to follow Jesus. And somehow, Jesus says, I want that insecure, angry, uh, lustful young man 
to come into my family. That is a mystery to me. And I, I thank Jesus every day. There wasn't something I could say, hey, God, if I'm on your team, I, can, I know how to shoot threes really good. I'm, I'm a good passer. Nothing. I had nothing to offer to be on Jesus' team. But somehow he picked me. Have you ever been in that gym class and uh, you weren't very athletic and you hate it when the, the, uh, the PE coach picks two captains? You know what I'm talking about? And then, you know, the two captains start picking everybody and then, uh, you know, you're left. You're the last person. And begrudgingly, you know, the last person gets to pick has to pick you. That's how I feel about Jesus is that he, he looks, scours the whole community uh, and then he, he sees me, but he doesn't wait. So he has no choice, but he, he chose me. A mystery. The mystery of the, uh, the triune God is that there's this relationship of unity. So let me encourage you this morning, and I'm going to end there because I got, I got a lot more. Um, I'm going to ask the band to come up and help us to focus on, on say, God, speak to me. Is, am, if I'm a Christian, then is my life expressing unity at home, uh, unity in my relationships with my fellow believers? You know, am I allowing certain things to divide me and my fellow brother? You know, he might, uh, he might like one candidate over, over another. That's one thing about Tallahassee is that uh, it's a hodgepodge of political spectrum here. And so one of the things I, tr I tell our church people is, hey, let's make sure we don't allow, you know, sports, politics, kind of the same thing. It's down on the totem pole of unity in Christ. I joke around with John Mark. You know, he's wearing his gator colors today. Uh, but I love him. I don't know if I could have said that 20, 30 years ago when I was not serving the Lord. I just couldn't stand people from the opposing team. It showed my insecurity, actually. It had nothing to do with the other person. So if I'm a follower of Christ, then that orange shirt and blue bow tie would not interfere in me and be in unity with him, ever, ever. And so this morning, I'd like for us to just close our eyes for a second and say, hey, God, uh, is there somewhere in my life that's not living up to the if-then? If I am a follower of Christ, then there should be unison, unity with my spouse. Paul saying that. The love of Christ has got to be so deep in you then. It should express itself in unity. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads for a second, and say, Lord, let's speak to the Lord. So, Lord, help us to see areas that maybe we don't see. That's keeping us to, from making the statement true. If we are in you, then, as Apostle Paul says, unity should be fleshed out. So much so that how we flesh it out is a testimony to the world. Having the same love towards Christ, being one in spirit and purpose.
to glorify Jesus. That's our purpose, to glorify Jesus. And that would express itself living in unity. Lord, help us, help me, help our church, help the church to live in unity with other believers. Thank you, God, this morning. We love you. Help us to to live this out and flesh it out this week for your glory. In Jesus' name, let's stand and we're gonna sing this song as we end our time. to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.